0: Yes, 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 yes. Omega Watts in the house.
1: Now, now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table, invite to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it, invite to the banquet, I'm
0: glad that you can make it. What is up, table fam? Man, Lucas, sheesh, you have to play my worship cry song, man. I'm like trying to like, like be all snotty up here. But man, thank you so much to Lucas. And hey, welcome to the table. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Isaac. I'm a pastor here at the table, part of our leadership team here. And man, we are just so thankful for you. We're thankful that every Tuesday uh, we can gather together. And if you're like me, sing and snot and cry during uh, music, um, learn from the word together, and just really just be a family together. Um, Last week... uh, Um, We, um, to set up, we had a family moment at the end of the service last week uh, to where we set up, um, we had a survey, and really it was just a way for us as a family to get feedback from you if you were here. And guys, y'all, thank you so much. We got such good feedback. Um, We're processing that as a team. We're figuring out um, how to move forward with the information that we have. Um, And you may have heard, um, today, boo, is the last table of the summer. Boo! But, I know, I know, I like leading on the boo, that's kind of weird. Um, but uh, we know that, man, I can already tell tonight it's just going to be a really good night. I'm so excited for what we're talking about today. Um, we've been in the series of John, and today is our last message in the series of John, wrapping up in the last chapter of John. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in John chapter 21. Uh, but to set us up, um, some of you guys know this, is that I grew up, actually to set us up, let me, let me pray for us. And I think that'll be helpful. So as you're turning there, just let me pray for us. Whew. Father, we're just so thankful for you. God, we're thankful for your spirit, and we're so thankful for your son, Jesus. God, I know tonight, uh, man, you just want to do something in us. You I mean, you want to do something through us, and tonight, God, I pray that we are receptive. God, and I pray that your Holy Spirit just pierces our hearts, Um, and we can feel, um, God, you, and you can fill our hearts with truth and with love from what you may want to reveal to us tonight. I pray just for me um, that I can be as helpful as I can be uh, for the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, so some of you know this, is that I grew up um, as a pastor's kid, and I've said this before, that if you grew up also as a pastor's kid or as a ministry kid, if you grew up in a ministry family, um, your pathways either you also end up in ministry as a pastor or you end up in jail. There's, not, like there, there's one or the other options that's pretty extreme. So fortunately, I kind of stayed on the, uh, the, the path of a pastor. Um, but I had a lot of these different experiences growing up um, in this ministry family to where I had these different experiences. So I was part of this one youth ministry um, when I was in high school. I was like 15, 16, 17 years old, um, where I was part of the musical worship band. And there would be these Friday night services um, so we would kind of gather students, or these are like teen, um, middle schoolers and high schoolers and even some people, college aid, would come to these, we called them youth services, um, on Friday nights. And I en- um, encountered conflict because um, I liked being involved in this, but also Friday nights, are you guys aware that a lot of things happen on Friday nights? Like there's football games, and there's birthday parties, and there's other fun things. And I'm like... I want to like go do fun things, but here I am just playing in this, in this ministry, right? And then I'm like, I asked them, well, why, are, why are they on Friday nights? Why can't they be on like another night of the week? I don't know, Tuesday. Tuesday seems like a pretty good night to me. Um, why are they on Friday nights? And here's what they said. They said, oh, it's because bad things happen on Friday nights. I'm like, really? They're like, yes, like drugs and sex and they may even kick little kids. I'm like, what are you talking about? I stole that joke if you've heard it before. Um, so like, I'm like, Okay, so we're going to have an event on a Friday night for people, like not, you know, like Thursday and Saturday exists, right? Like people can just choose to do those things on other days, right? So I just had this kind of, I enjoyed it, but also had a lot of curiosities around awareness when it came to like where people actually were. And I just didn't know if the ministry was like the path that I wanted to head down. Um, I get to college and I start out in college as a business major, um, but then I ended up switching my major to film. Um, and when after I switched my major, um, there was this guy that was a few couple years older than me, and um, I asked him, hey, man, so why, like, what are you going to do with your, with your film degree, with like a video production degree? And he says, oh, man, I'm definitely going to use it for ministry. And what I told him was, oh, my gosh, that sounds amazing, man. That sounds so cool. But what I thought was, dude, that's so lame. I would never do that right? Like, I would never, like, I'm pursuing this really cool, like, film degree. I was, like, really excited about it. In my head, I'm, like, living in New York. I'm, at this time, David Letterman's, like, hosting late night shows, and I'm, like, I want to produce, like, a David Letterman t- um, uh, late show. That sounds really cool. Um, I don't use it for ministry. Why, why would I do that? So I just had, just growing up with my experience and kind of thinking through my long-term trajectory, um, I just had a lot of questions and curiosities around this idea of ministry, right? And maybe you, maybe you've grown up in church, and um, you also have curiosities around ministry. Um, But here's some questions that we're going to answer today. One is, well, what is ministry? Like, whenever we say that term, what do we mean by that? Two is, um, is, that, is ministry something that I'm involved in, something that I'm not involved in? Like, I thought, like, the professionals do ministry, and I'm just going to, like, go to church, but really ministry is, like, for the people that are really good at it, and I'm just going to kind of show up and attempt things. Um, maybe the question may be, am I qualified for ministry? Or for some of us, the question may be, am I disqualified for ministry? Right? So ministry is the thing that we're going to talk about today. And if you have your Bibles, we'll be in John 21, uh, verse 15. Um, as we're even talking and mentioning about this word uh, ministry, I know that some of us, you haven't given two thoughts ever about ministry. right? Which is really honest and real. And if you're, probably if you're new to this whole church experience, you're like, I literally like ministry of magic. I'm a Harry Potter fan. Like maybe is that like the type of ministry we're talking about? So either way, wherever you are on the whole ministry thoughtful spectrum, uh, uh, we're going to cover all that tonight. So John 21, uh, verse 15, where he said, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said uh, to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Okay, so first of all, they ate breakfast. Who here loves breakfast? Okay, that's not me. Actually, don't eat breakfast. But if you're a breakfast eater, you're like Jesus, um, God is redeeming me to enjoy breakfast more. I'm, I know I'm weird. I'm just not really a breakfast eater. But here in the passage, we see um, that they're eating breakfast, right? Um, a little earlier to set up some context, here's what happened. Um, in the chapter before, Jesus had just resurrected from the dead. Okay, y'all don't hear me. I'm going to go to the other side. One more time. Jesus had just resurrected from the dead, Right? Okay, this, side, this side's winning. And I know, like, I didn't mean to like church guilt, y'all, but like at times that can just sound so, if you grew up in church, that can just sound so commonplace where we just say, yeah, Jesus, you know, died for your sins and rose again. Like we just say that a lot of times in church, but like, I just want you to really like think through that. A guy predicted his own death and then it happened. He also predicted his own resurrection and it happened. That's incredible. So now, in this story, this is after Jesus had just predicted his own death and resurrection, and now he's having conversations with him. The whole point of me saying this, well, for a lot of points, but one of them is, wouldn't you, like, really listen if a guy just rose from the dead? Wouldn't you, like, hang on to every single word that this guy was going to say? So it says in the passage that Jesus actually made three appearances, and this is the third appearance to his disciples. So there's three times that the guys were hanging out with him before he resurrected. There was one time, and then a second time, and now here's the third time. And in this third time, they're out fishing in the morning, and they're catching fish, and Jesus is there on the shore, and they're like, who is that? And Jesus is like, it's me. And they're like, you're right, it's you, Jesus. And now they have breakfast together, which is incredible. And now they have this conversation where it's the, all the disciples are still present, but Jesus has a specific conversation with um, what Scripture would say is the kind of the, the leader of the disciples, uh, Simon Peter. So in that conversation, Jesus said to Simon Peter, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" So the reason he's asking it like this, um, Peter had kind of a kind of a um, act and then think personality. Okay? Anybody else kind of like that? Like, I'm just going to do it, and then I'll just figure out the rest later. Right? That was Peter. Peter constantly was putting his foot in his mouth. Peter constantly was just, like, self-identifying, but also, like, Jesus identifying him, like, as the leader among the 12 disciples. And he was a just, like, go-get-it personality. So Jesus is asking, hey, whenever he says, do you love me more than these, he's referencing the other disciples. He's saying, Peter, in front of them. um, How—that takes a lot of courage, (laughs) All right? Uh, But Jesus doesn't. He's like, hey, Peter, do you love me more than these other guys that you're with right now? In front of them, right? And here's how Peter responds. He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, feed my lambs. That was the first time. Let's look at verse 16. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, 10 my sheep. Okay, we're keeping track. One, two. Is two enough? No. How about number three? And, And verse 17, and he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved, we're on that in a little bit, was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he, this is Peter, said to him, Lord, you know everything. Jesus, You're the God of the universe. Jesus, you know everything. You know thoughts. Jesus, you like predicted your own death, burial, and resurrection. I think that you know every single thing in the universe. Jesus, you know that you can see my heart. You know my intention. You can just see through me. Like I'm not hiding anything because even if I try to hide things, you already know. Jesus, or yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Okay, so Jesus is starting to give a metaphor of sheep and of lambs. So what does Jesus mean by sheep? What Jesus means by sheep is all of us, right? Sheep is a term that Scripture uses, that Jesus uses, as a way to describe people that are following him, right? So if you are consider yourself as a follower of Jesus, you are, I wish there was a better animal, it's sheep. <laughs> That's what we got, right? We got we, we're sheep, right? And and the way that the reason part that Jesus uses sheep is because have you ever like seen a sheep? They are incredibly helpless, right? They need to be guided everywhere. They are dumb. Like a sheep will literally walk over like a cliff just to like to eat something. And so what happens with sheep is they're just dumb, right? And then you look around the room and you're like. Yup, I'm not going like to point out my neighbor right now, but uh, I, I, can, I can see how my neighbor may at times make dumb decisions. I can see that. But if we're to be honest, we make dumb decisions too. Why do we make dumb decisions? Because we're sheep, right? But Jesus knows this and actually uses the term sheep as like an affectionate term. Hey, Jesus is saying, hey, look, I know you're dumb, right? And I love you. I know you're going to do really dumb things, and I'm here for you. So as Jesus calls us sheep, Jesus refers to himself, earlier in John, he refers to himself as the great shepherd. And what does a shepherd do to sheep? A shepherd cares for the sheep. A shepherd leads the sheep. A shepherd protects the sheep, right? A, protect, uh, a shepherd nurtures the sheep, right? So in here, when he's saying, talking, Jesus is talking to Peter, right? He's saying, hey, tend to the sheep and feed the sheep. Ten, nurture, care, lead, protect, but also feed the sheep, right? What do sheep need? Sheep need nourishment. So when Jesus is saying, hey, feed the sheep, you feed my sheep, because he's saying, hey, I'm the great shepherd, but Peter, I want you to feed the sheep. He's saying, I want you to feed them nourishment of my word. I want you to tell the sheep who I am. I want you to tell the sheep um, how to live the way that I live. Okay, so there's sheep, and sheep need a shepherd. Um, So there's this really interesting thing, though, because Jesus is the great shepherd, but Jesus also entrusts sheep to lead sheep. It's kind of weird, right? So Jesus entrusts Peter as a fellow sheep to lead sheep right? So this is like this idea of being an under-shepherd, where Jesus is the great shepherd. Peter is not the great shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. But P- Jesus is entrusting Peter to be an under-shepherd to help care for the flock and lead the flock. So um, there's this really weird tension of like a player-coach thing going on, right? So you're, playin- you're playing in the game, right? But you're also kind of coaching and leading, but also you have to be mindful that you are also a sheep. So you're not like, you're prone to like being dumb sometimes, That's Peter, right? So here's, so tending and feeding, right? Tending to the sheep and feeding the sheep, this is what we call ministry, right? Ministry is tending to sheep. Ministry is feeding sheep. Ministry is caring for sheep. Ministry is protecting sheep. Ministry is leading sheep. So whenever we're talking through ministry, um, we're talking about um, shepherding, shepherding sheep, that sometimes do things that are really amazing and at times do things that are kind of frustrating, right? So here's the big idea. Here's the big idea about ministry. Um, ministry gives life meaning. Ministry gives life meaning, okay? So what do I mean by that? Here, I want to talk about four truths, four truths about ministry to really unpack what we mean by this big idea that ministry gives life meaning. So number one, every Christian— is called to ministry. Every Christian is called to ministry. If you identify as a Christian, if you say, hey, I'm following Jesus. Hey, I want to follow Jesus with my life. Hey, I profess. I've been baptized. I want to, I want to follow Jesus, right? You are called to ministry right? Jesus here is calling Peter to ministry, and Peter is leading the way for every Christian, every believer to do ministry. And again, ministry is um, feeding sheep, tending to sheep, nurturing sheep, and every Christian is responsible um, to do ministry. Now, you may have thought that ministry is like for the paid professionals, right? Ministry is for, hey, I thought ministry was working for a church, Hey, I thought ministry was, like, for the really good people that, like, have gone to seminary and the people that just, like, really know what they're doing and the people that are just, like, really good when it comes to Christian faith. Like, for me, like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but, like, I don't really do ministry. Like, I just, I just kind of let other people do ministry, and I'm just going to, like, show up to a group and attend the table sometimes, and I'm just going to may, maybe serve, maybe not serve, but I'm just going to let other people do ministry, and as... Um, um, with all the love in the world that I can give you, if you're following Jesus, you are called to ministry. If you're following Jesus, if you're a Christian, your responsibility as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, is to tend to sheep, other, other Christians, to help feed them, to love them, to nurture them, right? Like, look around the room. Look around the room. These are sheep, right? And um, it's not just the people on staff that are responsible for caring for sheep. It's sheep also care for sheep. Like Peter, if you're following Jesus, you have this responsibility um, to, to love and to serve others, right, and so it's not just for people working for a church. Actually, I, the, best, the best thing that can happen is people that are like working for a corporate environment that are also doing ministry, right? And also, you can work for a church and not do ministry. How do I know that? Because that was me. That was part of my story. Um, so before this church, I was working as a communications director um, at a church back in Texas. And probably for my first two years there, I was on staff at this church doing communications, a lot of graphic design, um, a lot of like social media stuff, a lot of emails. And I was not doing ministry. I was just working for a church. It's a very big difference. You can work for a church and not do ministry, but also you cannot work for a church and do this incredible nurturing, tender, feeding ministry. And I think the best examples for this are my really good friends, uh, Bree and Joss Celestin. Right. So, so Bree and Josh, so Josh works for a church. Bree does not work for a church. Unlike me, Josh did, does use his video background. So Josh does video here at First Orlando, does video production, and uses his video background as a way. So, like, video for him, like, he's, like, super creative. And if you've seen stuff, like, they're incredible. But video for him is really just an excuse, like, to get to know people so then he can do ministry, like, with them and to them. It's incredible, right? And so Josh just, like, grasped that, whereas me, like, it took me a long time to try to, like, figure that out. Um, and Brie Bri, um, works uh, for Advent Health as a physical therapist, and Brie also, like, is really, really good physical therapist and does, like, a really good job there, um, as well as integrates ministry with where she's working, as well as does so much ministry around here, meeting with people to care for them and to love them. And I just think it's such a really good picture. They're also married, which is awesome. Uh, I just think it's such a good picture of, like, doing ministry while working for a church, but also I, most of us won't do that, and all of us need to do ministry. So I think is just a really good example of how to do ministry and integrate ministry into um, the, the job that's not, not for a church, or what we would classically think through as a ministry church. Um, back this really interesting... Um, um, phenomenon happened back in the the 1950s to where there were these things called um, revivals. So in the 1950s, um, what would happen is you would get like the one um, preacher, the one evangelist, the one revival. And what would happen is they would stand there and thousands of people would come to listen to one person speak, right? And that one person had the load of all the ministry. And then thousands of people got saved, and then thousands of people then didn't really keep up with their faith. Why? Because it's one person. That's a lot of work for one person. That's a lot of weight to bury. So um, if you've heard of the, um, the Great Reformation where the scriptures went from the clergy to the hands of the people, that's the next great revival or that's the next great thing that needs to happen in church world where ministry needs to go from the quote-unquote professionals that aren't really professionals to everybody. Okay? Ministry. Is for everybody. Every Christian is called to ministry. Number two, no Christian is disqualified from ministry. No Christian is disqualified from ministry. All right. As I'm saying this, and you're, you're just like thinking about ministry and you're thinking about your life, and maybe that's something that you aspire to, but you're also thinking about you're being honest with yourself, you're being honest with your own life, and you may be thinking, Isaac, you don't know what I've done. Look, yes, ministry may be for everybody, but everybody is not me. Because thinking through the things that I've done, that I've willingly participated in, I just, oof, I just, it, it just wouldn't. People don't want me, right? I'm not good enough. Can I just say that's a lie from the devil? It's an absolute lie that any ounce any ounce of a thought of you feeling disqualified, hey, look, if you feel like you're broken, if you feel like you're a sinner, if you feel like you've messed up, welcome to the family, y'all. You may be saying, you don't know what I've done, Isaac. You don't know what I've done, right? Like, look, we're all messed up. We all have mistakes. Nobody is disqualified for ministry. No Christian is disqualified for ministry, right? Um, The greatest ministry can actually come out of your greatest failure. The thing in your life that brings you so much shame is the very thing that God can use in order to propel you forward, right? So here at the table, we call ourselves a banquet for the broken because some of us, we like to think that, oh, yeah, I'm awesome for ministry. You definitely want to use me. I have no baggage. You don't want that person because they lack compassion and they're judgy. The way better person for ministry is the person that's gone through some stuff and they've had to heal and Jesus has come in and healed their life and they can take that healing to others. That's an amazing person for ministry, right? So if there's at times thoughts creeping up of feeling disqualified, hey, that's super normal. That's super normal to think that way, but it's also a lie. And the fact is that if you're following Jesus and you're a Christian, you are qualified for ministry. And this is exactly how Peter was feeling as well, right? So, um, so Peter actually sinned, denied Jesus three times to where people would ask him, hey, are you following Jesus? And Peter was like, no, 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 that's not me. That's not me. And he did that three times. So whenever Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. Okay, well, feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. OK, well, tend to my lamps. Hey P- Jesus, Peter, do you love me?, Ugh, He's grieved. Why is Peter grieved? He's grieved because he vividly remembers his former self. He remembers denying Jesus. He vividly remembers that, and those thoughts grieve him. I think for those of us, we can relate. We think through our times when we sin. We think through our times whenever we just have done the wrong thing. We didn't do the thing that we wanted to do, but we kept doing the thing that we didn't want to do, and we think through that, right? And it grieves us. Again, that's part of the Christian experience, as Peter did, right? And Jesus redeems Peter's experience in the same way Jesus can redeem your experience, right? Right? So like Peter, so um, right now Jesus is commissioning Peter back into ministry, where Peter had to stumble, Peter had to fall, and Jesus picks him up, brushes him off, said, all right, Peter, let's go, come on, we're not done with you yet. And tonight, my hope and my prayer is that tonight may be a recommissioning for you for ministry. To where maybe you came in feeling disqualified. Maybe you came in feeling not good enough. Maybe you came in feeling shame. And Jesus is saying, like Peter, hey, all right, let's heal you. Let's get you the help you need. Let's get good people into your life. And let's recommission you for ministry. Let's go. That would be incredible if that's your story here tonight. Number three, um, every Christian, similar to number two, but every Christian can use their story for ministry. Every Christian can use their story For ministry, right? We may think through our stories, maybe not things that we've actively participated in, but perhaps it's things that have been done to us. Perhaps it's that person that we really trusted that really wounded us and hurt us, right? Perhaps it was that that family situation in your life that just really like messed you up. And you have no idea why that happened and have no idea why God would allow that to happen. And look, I really don't have all the answers to. I don't know why God allows certain things to happen. But here's, here's what I do know, is that God loves you, that God is with you, and that whatever reasons for why that may have happened, um, God uses it to redeem it, and now there's an opportunity to use your story for good to use the things that you've experienced to help other people who've also experienced similar things. I love what Alex said last week, and whenever he said that, hey, look, whenever we've been hurt, we have an option. We can either cause more hurt, or we can bring healing, but we can't do both. And as we think through our story, right? As we think through our story of of what things that perhaps have been done to us, Jesus, Jesus says, hey, I see you. I love you. I'm sorry that happened. I'm with you. And now let's use your story to go and bring healing to others. Ministry gives life meaning. Ministry gives life meaning. These things in our life that have happened to us that we don't know why they happen, I don't know either, but here's some meaning that can come out of it is that you can use, use that, your experience, you can use your story to look forward and help somebody else who's experienced similar things. Ministry gives life meaning. And number four, every Christian will find their purpose in ministry. Every Christian will find their purpose in ministry, right? What do I mean by that? Man, I meet with you guys one-on-one, um, we talk a lot in small groups. Like, I know I, um, I'm like, I feel kind of weird because I'm a, like a middle millennial, which is like not cool anymore. So now I'm 31, so I'm kind of like venturing out of young adult life, of considering myself as a young adult. I'm like holding on for dear life. I'm like, no, no, I'm still a young adult. <laughs> but the reality is is that I'm, the reality is, is I'm getting older, right? But what I know about young adults, what I know about people in their 20s, um, is that there's a lot of life direction going on. Or seeking life direction going on. There's a lot of, I don't know what to do with my life going on. There's a lot of, I don't know who to date going on. There's a lot of, should those be my friends or not be my friends going on? There's just a lot of, like, I don't know what to do, um, I don't know what to do going on, right? Um, At least that was my experience, and I was in my 20s, but I'm probably alone. You probably don't feel any of that currently, right? Look, there's a lot of of life direction, a lot of just trying to find purpose, a lot of sometimes you can get to a space where actually... Um, are not just in survival mode. Like for some of like, I don't think about like long-term life planning. Like I'm just trying to survive today. I'm just trying to survive this week. Like today is the, it's the 20, the 21st, right? The 20, today's the 20th, like rents in 10 days. I'm stressed about that. Like I'm just trying to survive. Right. I don't have time to think about purpose. Right. But then you, but whenever you're still enough, you still kind of think like, man, I would love to be married one day. I would love to have a dream job right? And for some of us, we have more space to kind of think through that, so more frequently you think through, like, long-term life stuff. You think about where you want to be in five years, ten years. Some of you are incredibly driven. You have, like, a one-year plan with a 60-day plan with a five-year plan with a ten-year plan with a 40-year plan, and you're, like, I'm on it, and then you're, like, tracking yourself, right? As, like, the, the scorecard, and you're, like, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And then something happens. You're, like, oh, okay, a little bit of a setback, but, like, you plan, you regroup, you re-strategize. All right, let's go. And you have this incredible life plan in front of you. Here, it's it. Can i just be honest, it's not going to happen. All the planning in the world that you do just won't happen. It'll happen a lot differently than you thought it would, right? But planning is good. Here's, so I want to encourage you to plan. I want to encourage you to think through life purpose. But here is point number four here. Every Christian will find their purpose in ministry. Ministry gives life meaning. If you're trying to find meaning, if you're trying to find purpose outside of ministry, you're going to be searching for the rest of your life. You will never find it. Ministry gives life meaning, right? So um, uh, my wife and I, so I think I've mentioned, so we were kind of looking at houses and we eventually like got a house, but um, there was this, um, uh, the yard was a mess, an absolute mess. And um, like the trees were overgrown, like there was weeds, but it was like before like we moved in, so I couldn't really do anything about it. But I just like in my head, like I'm like, oh no. I'm just like stressed of like all this yard work that needs to be done. And I have no idea. Like I've been living in apartments for 10 years. Like I don't have to do yard work. Um, and now I'm just like thinking through the yard and like getting stressed about it. So what do, you, what, is a, what do I do when I don't know what to do? I go to YouTube, right? So I'm on YouTube and I'm searching uh, clear, like overgrown backyard. Like how, do, how does that work? And I hit enter. And here comes this really fascinating YouTube channel to where this guy, he calls himself lawn care juggernaut. So I think we have a picture here. This guy has a YouTube channel. And in this YouTube channel, all he does is he cuts lawns and kind of shows you what to do and what, what instruments you need or what, what tools you need. And I'm just there watching like 30 minute lawn cutting videos. I'm like, oh my, I don't even have a lawn yet at this point. And I'm just watching and I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's incredible. This guy knows what he's doing. So then I watch one of the videos. And actually, here's a clip of one of the videos. I found it. Yeah, here's, here's a clip.
1: Welcome. Welcome back. All right. We are here for another one. We're going to be talking about this insanely tall grass. And uh, I've got a few things that I just have to uh, say before we get started. First off, we are up 100, I'm sorry, 950% this month. And uh, that's quite impressive. And as you can see, we've got over a million minutes of watch time. That's insane. You know, the thing that I wanted to do when I started this channel is help other people out, not only in business, um but, you know, I'd like to teach them my techniques that I've learned over the years because I spent a, a lot of time learning them. But the same thing with business and uh, with my self-development. I mean, there's a couple things I'm passionate about in my life, okay? I'm passionate about my family. So, obviously, I want to grow there. I'm passionate about uh, and in with my family, obviously, my marriage. But I'm also passionate about my business. I'm passionate about lawn care, as you can see. And I'm also passionate about my personal development um, you know that's everything in there obviously family business um, my internal self, you know my self-esteem the way I hold myself my charisma all of that as well as my my personal connection with Christ and so I like to communicate those things in this channel if that's what you like hearing about if that's what you want to know about this is a channel for you Stop delaying, just go ahead and subscribe, hit that notification bell. I promise you will not be let down. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, this just in. I didn't know this, but people that are not cutting their own grass and people that do not own a lawn care business like watching lawn care videos. I don't get it, it blows my mind, but you are my type of crazy, okay? We share in, in a mutual addiction of the love of long care.
0: He <laughs> <laughs> uh, totally called me out. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I had no idea he was a believer. He was following Jesus whenever I just subscribed to this random YouTube video. And then I'm just watching. This is not even the first video I watched. I'd already watched like three or four of them. But as I'm watching his videos, I'm like, there's something about this guy. And then just clear cut his day as he's cutting lawns, right? And then he goes on. That was only um, like two minutes of a 40-minute video of him cutting that entire lawn. I watched the whole thing. I'm like, oh, that's how he makes that turn on that tractor. Okay, I don't own a tractor. We'll never own a tractor. Right, but I just thought it was so beautiful, this integration of he's living a life of ministry, right he's using his YouTube channel. My suspicion, and I don't know this for sure, my suspicion is he's being public with his faith on YouTube. My suspicion he's also being public with his faith off YouTube, right He's a normal guy. He cuts lines. he has normal conversations. My suspicion, if he's talking about Jesus on YouTube, he's talking about Jesus with his family, with his friends, with other lawn care people, right that's this. Beautiful integration of of what ministry can look like just tending to people, helping people, tending to the sheep, helping the flock feed them and to nurture them and protect him. While his job has nothing to do with like working for a paid ministry position, he cuts lawns, he's really good at cutting lawns, and he does ministry. That's my hope for all of us is that you love Jesus and you love people and you love ministry. Very few of us, and we're going to see this here in a little bit, very few of us will end up on a church staff. Very few of us will end up going overseas as a missionary, right? And if, if, especially with the missionary stuff, man, I'm really excited to talk about that here in a little bit. For most of us, for 90, 95, 99% of the room here, you're going to be working a non-quote-unquote like professional ministry job. And here's what I want. I want you to be a really good employee. I want you to be really, really good at your job. I want to get really good at your job. And I want you to do ministry. And I want want you to talk about Jesus at your job. And I want you to talk about Jesus not at your job. And I just want Jesus to be this thing that's just all-consuming in your life with Jesus as the great shepherd, right, as he's tending to the sheep. And all of us, it's not just for the people that are paid. All of us get to practice as under-shepherds. And all of us get to practice being pastors and shepherds, tending to the sheep. That's what I want for every single person here in this room. Right? Ministry gives life meaning. If you're looking for meaning, both backwards at why things have happened in your life, as far as forwards, how can I kind of orient myself towards purpose and life direction? You have to consider ministries or thinking about the future of your life. You have to if you're following Jesus. So, looking back at our text. Right, So here's what Jesus says, though, because it's a really strong call. It's a really, really strong call. Jesus is about to tell Peter some really things that would not be pleasant to listen to, where Jesus says this to Peter, right, where he's saying, Peter, look, this is where a life of ministry is going to take you. This is where your path is going to go. Verse 18, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands. And another will dress you and cure you where you do not want to go. Okay, what does he mean by this? He's like, hey, and we feel this. Hey, when you're young, you can do whatever you want. You can go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can, with the little bit amount of money that you have, you can kind of spend it max and sometimes overspend at times, young adult world. Um, You just do whatever you want when you're young. But when you're old, Peter, you, specifically for Peter, but I think there's some parallels here, Peter When you're old, people are going to take you places that you don't want to go, and you're going to have to stretch out your hands. So history says that Peter was actually crucified, the same way Jesus was. But Peter was like, no, Jesus was not right set up. I'm going to be upside down. He was crucified, died, upside down, stretch out your hands. This is exactly what Jesus said in verse 19, where Jesus says, This he was said to show him by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after this, he said to him, All right, Peter, you know how the story's going to end for your life? It's going to end in your death. And follow me. And that's the call that Jesus gives us for a life of ministry, is to die to ourselves. Some of us are going to go to very dangerous places, and it will end like Peter. Peter right? We're really incredibly fortunate here in the States to where we can freely gather and freely talk about the gospel and freely talk about Jesus and I don't have to worry at all that a Roman guard is going to come and capture me and kill me. I don't have to think about that. Right? We're incredibly fortunate. A lot of the world isn't like that. A lot of the world, the call to ministry is a call to die. And here in the United States, a call to ministry is a call to die to yourself. And perhaps even consider maybe going to an unsafe place where a call to ministry is a call to die because it's that unsafe, right? I don't know God's story for your life. I know you're still figuring out your story for your life. Here's what I'm saying, is that a call to ministry, as we're all called to do, is a call kind of figuratively to die to ourselves, to get to the end of ourselves, and just to be open with what Jesus wants for us, and for some of us to be willing, like Peter, to put our lives, our literal lives on the line for the sake of the sheep. Right? So how do do we— what do we do with that, right? What do we do with that? Well, for some of us, you're regularly practicing ministry. Good job. You're doing a really, really good job. I just want to encourage you. Hey, keep going. Nothing I've said tonight really um, has really, like, sh- you already kind of knew a lot of what I was saying. So if, that was, if that's you, you're doing a good job. Keep going. Some of us, who have never really considered a life of ministry. Maybe it's something we aspire to. We just don't know how to start. And here's the best place to start is you find a place to serve, right? Find a place to serve. You can, there's a lot of places in young adult world. There's a lot of places at First Orlando and other uh, ministries. Um, there's even a lot of places like, that have nothing to do with an organized church. It's like there's a really awesome local organizations to serve, to give back with human trafficking, um, with, with poverty. Whatever may be on your heart, find a place to serve right? There's such a strong correlation for people that are willing to serve at whatever cost, whatever it may be, with whatever the thing God is calling them to, and living a life of ministry. They go go hand in hand. You can't show me anybody who is living a life of ministry that is not willing to actively serve somewhere. Look, the table is a very small place. I'm not saying, like, you need to serve here, that we have the keys. we're, We're everything. We're not. There's a lot of amazing things going on, right? But I'm saying, hey, look, to follow Jesus means you're serving actively somewhere in some capacity. Right. And if you don't know what to do that, if you don't know how to do that, if you don't really know what that means, if you're curious about that, we have this thing that we call residency. So residency really is just helping people do ministry wherever you go. Right, Some people will end up do, going through residency and just learn what ministry means and learn what Jesus has specifically told you. You can learn what Jesus has specifically told you. You can learn what Jesus has told everybody. You can learn how to hear from God, learn how to read the Bible, learn how to pray, learn how to talk to people about Jesus, learn how to um, help people set boundaries. You can learn God's unique calling for your life, right? Residency, I think, is the secret sauce of like kind of what makes a lot of what we're doing here work. So if you're curious about residency, this is a way, it's essentially a really awesome um, discipleship. Thing that that we do, Um, a lot of uh, you may know somebody who's gone through residency. Um, I just think it's such a good um, way for us to be as helpful as we can to help you learn what it means to live in the kingdom of God and live a life of ministry. If you're curious about residency, I'm going to be standing right here uh, after the service. Just come chat with me. Um, We'll have a conversation about residency. It's starting in the fall. Okay. So as we're wrapping up. so we're saying, hey, look, find a place to serve. So there are actually three people that have felt this call to ministry, have been doing ministry, and they've realized that ministry here in the United States is not where God has called them to. They've actually, God has told them, um, it has been um, clearly identified by the community around here, that somewhere else is where God has called them to. So we call those people missionaries, people that have left the United States to go somewhere else to go do ministry at a very specific place with a very specific people group. So there's three missionaries that we want to um, commission to go do ministry not here in the United States. So for the rest of our time, we're going to have an extended family moment as our response time. We're about to enter into a commissioning uh, gathering. So I'm gl- so glad that you guys are here for the commissioning gathering where we just want to celebrate and commission three missionaries. Um, the first two um, are actually a, kind of a two for two for two people. People in one marriage, so two for one uh, deal. Uh, They're not actually able to be here tonight, but they actually have a video um, that I want to show us.